Today we have an interesting topic to talk about real estate. So when we're talking about real estate, we're going to break it up into three topics. One would be that should we rent, should we buy, especially as a young working professional. Uh, I mean, American dream has always been to buy a house and live in it, you know, like kind of American house, American family, American everything. But when it comes to at this time, we have student loans and then the real estate is so expensive, especially when it comes to New York City. The second topic we're going to be talking about is saving, investing to buy a house. Like, how is that process? And the third one is that Addison and I are actually buying a condo. Um, I think at the time that this podcast episode is released, we've closed and moved in. It's just a matter of talking about our process at this point, especially because we did it during the pandemic. So I guess like first off, we're going to start with renting versus buying. And here I have Addison Chen, my boyfriend, who I bought a condo with. So there is a a lot of stories that we can tell because for the past um, two years, we were actually looking at to buying a condo. And finally we did it. So this is a pretty interesting episode to talk about because we have YouTube videos on it. And Addison's got a Medium article on it. And we're definitely going to have more vlogs, like moving vlogs, empty apartment vlogs, and before, after kind of stuff. And like, we're going to have our really lit working from home setup. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about real estate at this point? Well, the first subject says between people who like to just buy or versus renting, right? So some people prefer just to rent because they don't have to worry about all the house, like the... Dealing with like anything that breaks, because usually when it comes to apartments, you have managers for that. But then once you own a, a home, it's all on you. So there are people who prefer not to have that kind of stress. But for us, we prefer to be buying because we don't want to be paying anyone rent money for our whole life. We rather just own the place and just pay our HOA and property tax, unfortunately. <laughs> I think there's many approaches you can take to this honestly because renting versus buying you could first number one like your lifestyle if you're nomadic and you want to travel everywhere why are you buying unless you're trying to maybe buy and then rent that out and that would be like an investment piece but there's so many reasons why you'd probably want to rent versus buy plus like when you're buying you're locking up cash flow for down payment which means that like I don't know two hundred three hundred thousand dollars and if you're Going for a cheaper property, which is going to be hard in New York, I don't know, $100,000, but that's still pretty high. While if you were to go to like the Midwest, it's like, I don't know, (laughs) 50000 But even so, that's still around the same amount as how much it is with student loans. If you guys haven't seen my video, I actually covered my debt-free journey there. And it's a real thing. There's like so many people that have so much student loans out there. And it's one of the main reasons why people are not even concerned to buy. Because they just have so much student loans. And they, if you get a mortgage, it's just adding on more debt to their student loans. So luckily, Addison had very little student loans. So he just paid it all off. But I had my student loans and I had to pay it off before I could even consider a condo. Yeah, it really depends on your financial situation. Like, if you want to buy a place, you should start start, sa- start saving as soon as possible. But if you're renting a place and you're not thinking of buying any any property, then you don't have to worry as much. Just keep on making sure you make your payments in time. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, also one thing could just be that people don't have enough credit. Uh, like, if you start as a young working professional, let's say you're in your 20s, 
you probably have not had a credit card longer for 10 years. Luckily, I had, thankfully, because my parents opened one way back that I didn't even know I had a credit card until they told me in college. I like, yeah, we had one for like 10 years and you just didn't know. And it's because they wanted to build my credit. But uh, that's like something that a lot of people in college that they're like, oh, my credit card limit is $100 or they don't even use it the right way. They're just kind of using it as this free money. I'm like, that free money came from somewhere. It's going to be your pocket. So a lot of younger people also probably don't know how the credit score works. And when you're trying to get a mortgage, that's very important. Luckily, we didn't have that experience where they're like, oh, we need more credit from you. We had excellent credit. I think it's because, number one, I had student loans and I had credit cards from way back then. I don't know how you got credit. How'd you get credit? Yeah, so for me, I I got a credit card right after college, actually. So honestly, for anyone who's still in college, they should try to get one with their parents or they could do mm-hmm. it themselves at age 18, I believe. So you should definitely get a credit card by then. Because for me, when I graduated, I was already, I think, nine, you know, 19 or 20 years old. Don't know, no, sorry. It's around like 21 years old when I got my first credit card. And yeah, and because of that, I have really poor credit. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I got really good credit now. I think mine's over seven hundred. But I think it's just uh, it's, I have it for four years now, and it just continued from there. Yeah, I think if you have solid credit, where you're just paying off your bills on time and every single bill, I think you're fine. Uh, I, I know length of credit though does actually come into your credit score so we're about the same credit score for some reason even though i had like my i mean technically my student loans they <laughs> once i paid it off they took a dip because i shortened the length of credit of my and also my credit utilization but in general it helped a lot because we still ended up helping out with our debt to income ratio when it came to the mortgage so it helped out but a lot of people in our age honestly i don't even think they can qualify for a mortgage unless they had like maybe very financial savvy parents that tell them to get a credit card early or to tell them like what the, is debt because I think people have an unhealthy idea of what debt is. It really depends on if you want to leverage cash because if you want to pay something in full, you are you could be using that money towards something else with a higher interest rate. While if you're buying property with it and you want to pay it in full, that's <laughs> you're locking so much cash in there when you could have been investing in something. And huge disclaimer here, we are not here to provide financial advice. Any actions or decisions made off of what we have said today, please take them at your own risk. We are not professional financial advisors. We're just talking about our own experiences. I just want to put that in there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Christine Wong just signed this off. Addison sign off too <laughs> but yeah I think a lot of people are just scared to get a credit card honestly or even yeah. they, like they have at least one credit card but they always use a debit card instead because yeah. they're afraid that they they won't be able to pay off the debt in time mm-hmm. and they're just scared of the idea of paying debt to anyone and because of that they never get the credit score high enough to mm-hmm. what is expected that's why people think of debt as like a bad thing but it's also a good thing because you can get a mortgage and get a house you can get a car you can get so many things you can get a business loan to start your own business it's not a bad thing it's just meaning that you're going to have to leverage some cash instead of just saving money or investing money up until the point that you could pay it in full during that time when you can be using that towards something else and investing it in something with a higher interest rate there's just so many different things that you can do but um i mean 
Don't take debt for granted though. <laughs> pay your bills, only pay for things that you can actually afford. Like when we were looking for housing, we wanted to actually make sure that can we afford this mortgage payment and property tax and maintenance fees and common charges and HOA, all those kind of stuff. Could we actually afford for this plus our basic expenses plus our investment and saving goals? If everything checked off, then we were good to go. But a lot of people, they... Even though banks technically issue all these mortgages for so high, even though you technically could go for much higher, in the end of the day, they want to make sure that you can actually pay it off. And I mean, they do make money off of all these penalties and fees and interest and whatnot, but it's kind of best interest of both sides to pay it off on time and, you know, interest. Yeah, and throughout the whole pandemic, the mortgage rates have been the lowest it's been based mm-hmm. on what I've read in articles. So it's definitely the best time to, to start... Get it, put it in a mortgage instead of paying all cash if you're trying to invest in property. And of course, make sure you uh, have the finance, uh, as I mentioned, because <laughs> that's the point, most, the most important part. Make sure you have a high, sa- high yield saving account opened up. Even though right now it's probably not the best, not the <laughs> highest saving rates, but it's better than what you get in regular in the bigger yield banks. Savings. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the topic was renting versus buying. So I think like at the end of the day, all, there's all these factors you need to think about when it comes to should you rent, should you buy? There's like the lifestyle. Do you want to be strapped in for a property for that long? Um, and even so, if you want to flip or you want to do short term, maybe you want to consider an arm mortgage instead. So there's so many options out there. There's also first home buyer programs. Look into that. Yeah, and there's also affordable housing as well. Yeah. If you're from New York. Check my YouTube video for that affordable housing content. It tells you how to get affordable housing in New York City. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. How desperate is she, right? Helps me save money (laughs) and make sure that buying actually made sense than renting. Because at the end of the day, our mortgage for... If we actually looked into the actual monthly payments, the mortgage is cheaper than if you rented for a two-bedroom apartment. Right now, our rent for a one-bedroom apartment is only like $100 or $200 less than the mortgage of a two-bedroom apartment. So we're like, this is a steal. I mean, of course, we still have additional payments that we have to do like property tax, HOA, maintenance, and all this kind of stuff. But it's still like it, it matches up than if you were to rent. So that's just something you need to keep in mind. And if you buy and you want to actually sell, eventually you need to think about like the property value of that area. Because if you think it's going to just go down or it's going to stay stagnant, keep in mind of inflation. I know we're just kind of throwing a bunch of terminology here, but there's just so many things to keep in mind. So definitely talk around with people, look up YouTube channels and do your homework too. Not everyone actually knows what's best for you, which is why there's people that say, you know, they're just there for educational content. They're not consulting you. Yeah. You don't learn any of this in college or in high school. So you just have to learn it on uh, online. We learned a lot on YouTube channels and from our parents. (laughs) I mean, I get that's true. Like my parents doesn't speak English, so I can they, they try to teach me, but I just learned it online at this point. Yeah, I think the most my parents taught me was save. They didn't even tell me to invest; they just said save. They're they're like super risk averse. Save, invest in real estate. Don't invest in stocks or mutual funds or anything like that. And they also said to make sure that you buy a house because, like, <laughs> my mom was like, "I don't care if you get married, just." 
do some real estate or do a master's degree. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to do a master's degree. So real estate it is, but we were going to do it anyways. Yeah. If you're thinking of buying, you should also think about if you're, well, you're going to be staying at a certain location yeah. for more than 10 years. If not, then it's really not worth it. You should just rent a nice apartment. Yeah, because like even though the down payment, the like there's so much involved, you also have closing costs. That's something that I don't even think we knew about before we started this process, how much money that could actually be. Yeah. It was like what, fifty thousand maybe for us? We haven't even closed yet. I think at the time that we're recording, there's gonna be two more days left until we have to close and we didn't even get the final estimate yet. So there it could be so high. I don't even know how much it's really gonna be, but they're ex- estimating it to be around fifty thousand or so. But uh, there, there's so many upfront costs that you have to consider that, like, if you're holding a property for a longer term, yeah, it makes more sense because that way you're making up money from when you were, like, either renting it out or you're saving money from renting out compared to buying a place plus the money you had to spend in closing costs. Because if you sell it, you basically lost money on your closing costs if you sold it pretty early. Yeah, and also as a first home buyer, you will notice a lot of these fees and charges. Mm-hmm. Sounds ridiculous. Some <laughs> of them was like um, trans- file transfer fee. Like they just they just give you the the files. That's that cost a fee like forty three dollars. <laughs> I could just do it myself, but you know that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, and even some banks to just wire money to the escrow account. What they charge you wire transfer fee? I have to pay that. Yeah, that makes sense though. Uh, yeah. Big banks have to make sure you're yeah you're not that, messing that's, around. That's still something to consider. I think like that that would be a good segue into now more about the second segment was about saving and buying a condo or house or anything like that and just the process to get to that point. Then we touched over this a little bit. I think like specifically when it comes to saving, there's just so much money you need to save and especially because of the student loans out there and you have to pay for high rent out there. There's just so many things against you, and especially if you're coming from New York City, you may not even have the best financial situation to begin with. Like, most people are living with roommates. I mean, if you're lucky, you're house hacking with roommates, and house hacking essentially means that you're bought a place where you have, like, maybe multiple rooms, you live in one of the rooms, and you charge rent from all the other rooms to other people, and you're essentially having their rent pay off your mortgage and you you're living for free because you're not paying for it it's really your tenants are paying for it but you know you're still going to be have a lot of responsibilities of being a landlord and you know you're living with them so who knows like you're gonna probably have a very bad roommate like smoking all the time or bringing girls around all the time there's so many things around that but a lot of people they do affordable housing so you know there's a video i have on that so make sure to check that out and there's also so many things you could do about saving like addison mentioned the high yield savings account you can invest but be careful about investing you know it's always going to be a risk involved but um there's I think in general, there's just so many things that you need to take in consideration. It's not always going to make sense to buy. It's sometimes going to make more sense to rent. And in general, it also depends on your financial goals. If you want to retire by a certain time, like maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it is, but something to keep in mind. Yeah, if you want to start saving and buying a home by like before you turn 30, then I would recommend try to get a part-time job in high school. And then maybe in college, you can try to look for another part-time job, work <laughs> studies, you know. It's all about saving. Like, for me specifically, I save about 50% of all of every paycheck I get. So that's why, and I just put it into a saving account and just yeah. let it grow from there. And yeah, so I started working probably before I got to college. 
So most of the money was in cash. I just I, I recently put that all in the <laughs> bank. Definitely from that point, you should def- you should try to see how much money you can make. You can even like l- mow the lawn or do some laundry. Your parents give you some allowance. You can't mow the lawn in New York City. I mean, you can maybe you live in Westchester. Okay, same same thing to me at this point. <laughs> or Queens houses in New York City. You may have a lawn. I mean, as long as you can try to make money as much as you can. Like, you still live with your parents. And try to see if you can get money from allowance and save that. I think what also some people forget about is a lot of that is actually jobs-based. So if you can try to do interest-based or business-based income, you actually benefit more on the tax perspective, at least in the U.S., And one thing to keep in mind is it's always good to increase your streams of income because, for example, when the pandemic hit, if you were to get laid off, where are you getting your income? So there's so many situations where like, oh, shoot, how am I going to pay for rent? How am I going to pay for my mortgage payment? How am I going to pay for all of this stuff? And there's something that you need to worry about is like passive income. If you have passive income, you have something on the side at least to help you stay afloat. You can cut down all your basic costs, but you still need to be able to pay for like housing and food. Let us know like what passive income streams that you're considering. I'm trying to do YouTube. I'm trying to do podcasting. I'm trying to do like a lot of other things as well. But it's also a slow process. A lot of them are going to have a lot of upfront work. I know Addison's got medium. Yeah, so uh, during the the pandemic, I mostly stayed home, right? So I decided why not try to write some articles about coding and see if I can teach people out there. So that's why I started doing medium. For At medium, I think I only wrote about eight to nine articles. And I, I think I made probably about $100 in total from the I think, three to four month span. So that's pretty good. Uh, so you have anything that you've you want to teach people or, or you think is interesting? You should definitely start writing some articles. Start a blog if you think you're popular enough. Or a YouTube channel or a podcast. YouTube is challenging because it takes so long just to get monetized, and there's just so many competition. That's why I feel like the easier route—well, not really easier, but a, a quicker route to get some type of of revenue would be writing articles or starting a blog and hopefully get some ads i think i mean it really depends because if you like making videos go for it to yeah. youtube if you like talking in this case a podcast go for it if you want to maybe have like a coaching program and you want to coach people in something that you're really good at but most people don't know go for it so there's just so many ways you can go about it you can even have your own business like who knows maybe you want to start a uh, a dog walking service out there. I mean, that's not passive income, but at the end of the day, you're doing something and that generates income. So that's something you can do too. I know like a lot of people who are young working professionals, they fo- mostly focus about their jobs and they don't focus much about passive income at this point. At least from people that we know. A lot of people are just like, oh, student loans, rent, living with parents and saving money, but not a single person has really spoken to us about passive income. And I mean, technically real estate counts as passive income if you think about having like people who you're renting to, but that does still come up with a upfront cost of down payment. So yeah, there's a lot of passive income that you can do to help get you to that point. And buying real estate may not always be the way to do it. And there's so many, I don't know, I think there's just so many people out there who feel like talking about money is a taboo. I think talking about money is very healthy. You want to make sure that people know it's okay to have your shit together. 
find a lot of ways to invest and save and talk about your salaries if you even want to. I know this is also kind of taboo, but if you talk about your financial goals, at the end of the day, this is like where everything works because you're working together on a final goal. You're kind of discussing everyone, like what is exactly great for you, what is not good for you. And like, I mean, like technically you don't want to see this all as professional financial advice, but if you get the conversation going, you get to inspire other people and you get to get closer to your financial goals. So yeah, I think like it's really healthy to talk about financial situations and money when it comes to being young because you want to also instill good spending and investing and money habits. And if you don't talk about it, people are going to think it's a taboo and they're not going to they're not going to be informed. And I'm just really grateful that I have a good community of people, friends and family that actually care about their finances and we talk about it all the time we don't actually say our salaries that much we still know each other's ranges but we do know about each other's financial goals and we actually talk to each other about it all the time like we have a friend too that's actually trying to buy a house in california and we talk a lot about our house buying process yeah i agree with that as well but the question is like when is a good time to talk about finances at what age like who do you who would Since you're you talk a baby. To? You wanna have it as a baby. Would you start teaching your kids in high school? Think about it, people. My parents didn't teach me anything. They taught you about real estate. When? As a kid. Saying you're gonna be a landlord. My parents were like, Okay, throw this garbage out, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think like if you talk about money as a child, that is really good because that's where you start to have a good relationship with debt and you are staying informed of like why are people doing certain things and maybe at a certain point is college education even worth it because with so much student loans and student debt is it worth it i think at the end of the day it does depend on your financial goals your professional goals and if it makes sense but take everything that we talk about today with a grain of salt and i think like when it comes to finances though it really does depend on your community because if you are surrounded by people that don't actually know what is money or how to deal with money or all the things you can do with money and then you're kind of stuck but there's still an online community out there on youtube or on i don't know about reddit but i i heard it was a pretty good source <laughs> do your research and there's just so many things out there and i don't know podcasts too they're good podcasts out there about money so if you just think about it in that perspective, there's so many ways to learn about money. And if you want to build a community talking about money with your friends, definitely go for it. And if you can't find a community, you can go to us. What's that community called? <laughs> well, I have t the technology consulting community, but we don't talk about money. We talk about technology consulting. But when I'm talking about community, I'm talking about Addison and me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will be your friends. But you're gonna mention your Discord while you're no, at it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're not like huge finance nerds. We don't know. We don't judge everything off of like, oh my god, the market is this bull or bear. But we do definitely talk about money on a very casual basis. We always have goals. We have short-term goals, long-term goals, and then each time we progress, we want to always make sure that we're on the right path. Yeah, I agree. Like. I don't believe in the fire movement <laughs> as much as I used to. Why? Because, like, I think recently there was talking about, like, how you're supposed to be saving 40 per 30, 40% of your income per year or something. And then they were like, no, nah, not anymore. <laughs> now it's like 50%. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to save what I want to save. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can still retire early. You just don't have to save that much. 
You don't know how much it's going to cost in the future, Christine. I mean, you could still save that much. You don't just have to give up. You could just try and just, you know. Definitely talk about money with your family, especially. Even if you're scared. And friends. And think about, ask them about college, okay? <laughs> Sometimes college isn't worth the money. You, you can buy a house with that money. All those Asian parents out there that want you to go to college, you need to make sure it doesn't make sense. Because I know everyone wants a child that goes to college, but not everyone is going to be blessed with an amazing job that pays off their student loans. And not many is going to be actually blessed with being able to rent out or live with at home or all that kind of stuff to save money. But it really just depends on your financial goals. And I know we're talking about the same thing all the time, but... We're going to move into our next segment, which is going to be on our house buying process. So in two days at this time of recording, we're actually going to be closing on our condo. We'll be moving from Williamsburg to downtown Brooklyn. So I think the next time we have this podcast episode was just Addison and me. It's actually going to be in the new condo. Yes. Come and watch our videos. I'm going to start my YouTube channel one day. One day is when? I'll figure it out. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess like let's talk about our house buying process. Um, Honestly, I felt like this year I wasn't as motivated to look for a place. But then with you around, it made it easier. I don't have to do as much. Wow. I make sure I have the money in the you bank. You need to make sure you do your and research I like too. The, and I like the place. You need to do your due diligence too. <laughs> I mean, I still look at online and check out real estates and properties and like costs. I, I felt like money is fun to look at and figuring out how much it will cost throughout the years. You get excited about how much things cost, not how much your money you're saving. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting to see how it fluctuates. Okay, so I wrote a Medium article called Honest Home Buyer Experience at Age 25 in New York City During COVID-19. Honestly, COVID made things a lot harder because usually you'd be able to just go into like open houses without having to worry about like getting all those documents signed. But we made it work. How did we make it work? Okay, so a home a house buying process was a pain in the butt cheeks. <laughs> you know why? Because we had to get all these documents before we even get to see at the first home that we were interested in. We had to go and get our pre-qualifications. Um, we had to sign documents. We had to wear a mask. Come on. Just kidding. <laughs> wear your mask, folks. <laughs> but yeah, we have to be very cautious, honestly. And, and honestly, for me, I was kind of scared to go outside because of all the COVID stuff happening. And then if I, inter- if I somehow interact with someone who's older than me, it might affect them. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I feel like it made this experience not as great as it should be i think like what's very important is that you have to kind of have a sense of the properties before you even consider buying just so you have a general sense of what's the benchmark like what is a good price what is good value what does a good condo look like or something like that and like maybe even so we really only start looking at properties officially during the pandemic so we couldn't actually see as many as we would want uh, so a lot of times, like not to mention the real estate market was also locked up because of the pandemic. So there's like a good solid few months that only serious buyers were allowed to go. So, I mean, technically you can get pre-approved and not be a serious buyer to see it during the time we did it. But during the time when the real estate was locked, you have to actually be interested in buying. So it was just a lot more anxious because like I don't want to lie and go in and like, yeah, I just want to look. 
like I just we just got pre-approved we just signed and everything and we just we just wanted to come and look and save its potential but at the end of the day it's really just mostly about what you think is important to you because even though we could have we started this process two years ago and it could have been we could have bought it earlier, but of course I had student loans, so we couldn't do that. Yeah, exactly, but, we can't afford it, so definitely those two years are just saving. Yeah, but we could have actually looked at properties at the time to see how it looked, but instead we actually just went online and looked at a lot of properties just based off of photos. I know that's not the best, but that's what we ended up doing because we just didn't want to waste our agent's time, and we also didn't want to waste our time just to look. And we were also still deciding, like, what we were looking for in a condo. Like, should we go for two bedrooms, three bedrooms, price point, neighborhoods, or just too many things. And I know the best way to figure that out is to actually go there and see. But we weren't even sure because we were thinking, like, oh, should we go for, like, cheaper neighborhoods? Should we go for more expensive neighborhoods but then fewer bedrooms? There's just a lot of decision-making factors that came in. And we're going to have a specific video on this on my YouTube channel. But... There's just so many things that you have to figure out. And like, this is our first home too. So we want to make sure that we're not going to be gypped at all. We want to make sure this was good value. And we got to learn our lessons. And we do have a few lessons that we've got to learn. And we're probably going to have another video or another podcast episode on lessons learned. But when it comes to the actual process, there's just so many factors. And it's really important to really know what you want. Because... This is also one of the main reasons why it's probably important to consider renting versus buying because if you don't know what you want, if you don't even know that like what if you are so set on New York or something like that and then eventually you're like, nah, I'm going to go for this job in San Francisco. What are you going to do with this condo then? Or co-op or anything like that. So you got to kind of plan ahead and some things that we considered was like school districts and bedrooms and square footage and neighborhoods and pet friendly has to be pet friendly we want to make sure the cats can you know live with us yeah and also if you have one elevator or mm-hmm. stairs it's pretty important too also think about do you have a parking spot some some of them actually give you a free parking spot it's not some free don't. we paid for it <laughs> i mean in a way they, they always mention oh this includes a parking spot it's not free and then you're like free and we're just like no it's not Yeah, there's just so many factors out there. And again, this is why you need to talk with people about this. Because if you don't talk about it, you may not even be able to know what you want. If you just kind of have a sense of what people want, you can figure out exactly what you want. That's just so many things that we had to figure out. In our home buying process, we only had like about eight to nine properties we looked at. And thankfully, we had a sense of what we wanted already. We knew what price range we wanted. We knew we wanted at least two bedrooms. We didn't care about the bathrooms. We just needed at least one bathroom. We also consider, though, about the room layouts because this is also our forever home. I mean, not forever home. We're going to be trying to live here as long as we can unless there's a better opportunity out there. But when it comes to that, we were thinking about, like, okay, where would the kids be? And, like, where would we be? Where would our office be? So we were looking for optimal room layouts and floor plans and whatnot. We also got to look at neighborhoods to make sure that they were in a habitable area. And because, like, a lot of places we were looking at were gentrifying or that it was just, like, very industrial. So those were the kind of places that we were like, you know, in our 20s, I don't think we actually want to be there. We want to just make sure we can do something there. And we also don't own cars. We don't. I mean, Addison doesn't even have a driver's license at the time of this recording. You don't need it when you live in New York, guys. Remember that. <laughs> I mean, it depends. If you are talking about New York, it has to be New York City. New York City, Brooklyn. Even Queens, you don't need it either. 
I mean, it's it's nice to have, but it's it was just one of the decisions that we had to of like if that's the case, we want to be near public transportation. We don't want to be like fifteen twenty minutes away from the closest public transportation. Like if you think about the snow, if you think about the rain, do you really want to do with fifteen twenty minutes holding groceries from the local public transportation? Probably not. Yeah, Christine would never do something like that. Wow. <laughs> But yeah. but yeah, I think the biggest factor too is if, you, if you're thinking of renovating, make sure you check how old the building is. Because the older the building, the harder it may be to renovate a certain type of rooms. That's what I've noticed as some of the buildings we've seen. Like the older they are, the harder it may be to renovate. Yeah, and like if you're trying to find something that fits your price range, most likely it's going to either be in a meh neighborhood or it would be in a good neighborhood, but something's got to give either square footage or maybe it's just not renovated or not modern looking you may need to do some work on it so that's something to keep in mind too when it comes to pricing because you need to worry about your purchase price you need to worry about your closing and your more moving fees and then you eventually got to worry about your renovation costs and i know like our friend in california she's going to renovate her house so that's something that they're doing we're not doing that we're still just like we're doing a band-aid so i'm going to put like contact paper fake tiles everywhere make it look snazzy and pretty but in the <laughs> we're gonna make these little renovations here and there it's like a little change but we're not gonna make it like a full-blown renovation so things like putting a washer dryer in unit and also installing recessed lighting all those kind of things yeah those takes time honestly probably a few more years when we earn some more currency you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah but yeah, that's our home buying process. We're going to do another episode on lessons learned and specifically also on our entire process. Right now, we're just talking about real estate as a young working professional, renting versus buying, actually trying to save up and invest to to buy a freaking house. And then we also have to talk about our home buying process. So we technically have not completed yet because we are closing in two days, but just want to go over this to kind of give you guys a sense of what's going on because I think people need to talk more about money. If you can't find people who want to talk about money, talk to us. So follow us down below in the links. You can follow us there. You can talk to us. We like talking about money. We don't, we don't love talking about money though. It's just always about you know, trying to meet our financial goals, but we don't only focus about money. We're just adulting. <laughs> adulting is fun, kind of. Yes. Oh, yes, mortgage. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, rent. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Oh, high yield savings. Oh, yeah. Cat expenses. <laughs> don't get cats, guys. It's not worth it. Get a cat. You can adopt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, disclaimer, I do not. I will not. But I endorse adopting. Go to your local animal shelter. Go to Best Friends Animal Society. That's where actually I foster my cats. So go to my Instagram if you want to see the cats that I'm fostering. Yeah. But yeah, overall, the experience in total was good. Like, we had a good agent. They told, they gives a lot of recommendations. Oh yeah, make sure you get a... Um, an attorney, too. If you're in New York. If you're in New York. I think there are other states that are attorney states, so just make sure to look into what is required for your state. Yeah, I didn't even know an attorney is needed, honestly. Yeah. I'd love to be like, okay, give me the, the signature. Okay, I sign <laughs> Here's the money. Cha-chang! If you're going through the condo co-op process, you're still going to need an attorney to do due diligence, so just make sure to do that. 
Oh yeah, you don't want to walk into your new home, everything fall apart because it was made out of movie props. <laughs> movie props. What kind of house are you looking at? I mean, you don't know that. Maybe they're maybe you entered. It looked so nice, but everything was fake in the end because you didn't do your due diligence. But yeah, so that's our little segment about real estate as a young working professional. Again, this is just a work in progress. We're gonna we want to talk about this more. Um, probably not specifically real estate, but we're going to talk about money more in other segments. But any topics when it comes to what the young working professional wonders about, like either relationships and dating and work and money or anything like that, we want to talk about it. So if you have any ideas at all on what you want to discuss, then reach out to us and also make sure to listen to all of my other episodes on women of inspiration and technology mm-hmm. professionals. Our. No. You only like a guest for these little snippets, but we're going to have some special guests here and there depending on the topic. Like, for example, woman. I'm not going to talk about that with you. I'm going to bring in an actual female guest. Yum, yum. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think this is a good moment to end this damn thing. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to y'all later. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Peace. Peace. Make that bang for your kitties.